I am recording now, though, so don't say anything you don't want people to hear. Because you know me, I'll just put stuff at the front of the show that makes no sense. So I'm just not going to talk for the next 20 minutes. Well, this will be fun. Still more words about still more sponsors. This is the Mac Observer's Daily Observations podcast for Tuesday, the 15th of November, 2022. That puts us halfway through November. I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm your host, Ken Ray, by the way. I'm you know, slightly even, I suppose. Joined today by Jeff Butts, managing editor of the Mac Observer. Good day to you, sir. Good day to you. I'm not ending it, by the way. So I say good day, sir. No, no, no. I'm saying, hey, welcome <laughs> in, man. Good to see you. We don't have time for all that. I know. It's In fact, we've lost so much time already, it's, it's almost time to say goodbye. Second part of today's show... Russian code is turning up in a number of apps where it should not be, including some used by the CDC and the U.S. Army. Jeff is going to tell us more in a bit. First, though, it's interesting to me. All the advertising angst coming from Apple users is apparently shared by at least some people inside of Apple as well. Apple Insider has run a report uh, based on a report from the information the information has a report that says the people inside Apple are getting uncomfortable uh, with Apple's big ad push. Now, it sounds like there are two concerns. Uh, one is a concern about junking up the iPhone experience, and the other is a concern around privacy. Except the concern around privacy isn't really a concern around privacy. It's a concern around concerns around privacy. What the Apple Insider piece says is advertising is viewed as an anti-privacy industry, whereas Apple is decidedly on the side of privacy being a human right. I think the concern is that it may look so much like a duck and sound so much like a duck that, you know, people outside are thinking, man, this thing's a duck. And then people are inside are like, no, wait, we're a swan. Right. Or, or whatever they are. There is actually news in the piece that's kind of uh, bad for the people trying to sell ads, but good for the average Apple consumer. The focus on privacy for the company does add some limitations to the ad sales effort, according to Apple Insider. The ad products team is effectively isolated from other departments, so the ad team can't get developer details from other teams, you know, which would make huh. it easy to be like a Meta or a Google or something like that. Yeah. So I hear about the angst inside of Apple, and, and I, I'm of two minds. On, on, on the one hand, I think, so what? Except that Apple has built itself on this, you know, experience thing in the same way that it's built itself on the privacy thing. I'll right. tell you what it made me think of was our discussion a few weeks ago about whether Apple should or should not have made a plastic iPad. Now, of course, they decided not to make a plastic iPad, and we assume that part of that is because it's kind of a junky experience. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like people are suddenly going to start buying Fire tablets because the iPad was plastic. But even knowing that they weren't necessarily going to lose people to another platform, somewhere along the way, Apple decided that's not really who we want to be. Right. And, you know, I have used other mobile operating systems. Mm -hmm. And one of my biggest complaints is 
on these other mobile operating systems is being able to tell when I search for an app what is actually organic to what I've searched for and what is sponsored, what is a paid advertisement. Mm-hmm. Um, same issue on a particular online retailer site that we all use, most of us use frequently. Mm-hmm. I search for a product there, and more than half of what I see are sponsored placements. Mm-hmm. I don't want that on my iPhone. I'm paying too much for this thing. I, I shouldn't have to try to figure out, okay, what's actually relevant to what I searched for and what is just being picked up by some advertising algorithm mm-hmm. that says, oh, this is close. It's not as good, but you know they paid us to say it's close enough. Do you want me to give you uh, another bit of good news, maybe? Please. Uh, According to the piece from Apple Insider, executives are said to be pleased with revenue growth based on the existing ad spots and apparently don't plan to significantly increase the number of ad spots users could encounter on devices. On the one hand, you're like, well, that that is good news, except a month ago we we were dealing with significantly fewer ad placements than we have now, too. Right. And, you know, to be fair, the the ad placements that we're seeing now, you know, if I do a search on the App Store, I might see one ad placement at the very bottom of an app I've already looked at. Right. That's actually – that's one of the two that they added a couple of weeks ago. And the other one is is on the featured page, and I'll see the one, and that's it. And it's prominently displayed as ad – and it's not it's not like on other marketplaces where every other one is an ad. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I know that Apple said that it wants to grow its its advertising business beyond where it is now. And I, you know, based on what what Apple Insider has has revealed, you know, I'm I'm kind of thinking that maybe they're not going to do that on the on the heel of the iPhone. Maybe that growth is going to take place inside of other services like the advertising network they're building for their major league soccer coverage. Well, except they're still junking up the iPhone. I yeah. Mean, and not not to a horrible extent, and hopefully it doesn't get much worse than it is now. But I mean – right. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going over to an Android phone because they put two new ad slots in the App Store. Mostly, no. I go to the App Store when somebody tells me specifically about an app. I've kind of got – I don't want to say there is nothing that I need in the App Store, but I don't spend a lot of time there. So I know about these ads because of news stories, not mm-hmm. because of anything I personally have encountered in the App Store, except for when I go, you know, kind of looking for it. Yeah, and I, I'm in the same boat, you know. I've I've got a pretty good routine of what what apps suit my needs, mm-hmm. but you know because I am supposed to be uh, what do I call myself a professional, an influencer, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm I'm really just some Joe who managed to to build a career out of writing, mm-hmm. but. You know, I do have a responsibility to keep an eye on the app store and see what new is out there that our readers might want to might need to know about. There was one other thing that I found interesting in the Apple Insider piece, which was based, of course, as we say, on the thing from the information. It was 
basically, and this goes to more of a salesperson thing than it does to anything that's being built in Apple's site. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly how it went. Basically, if you are, I don't know, you have this one type of app, but Apple is sitting on a bunch of inventory, that inventory being keywords that are mm-hmm. like relatively low price, right? They don't have a lot to do with your app, but the salesperson might say, why don't you add that anyway? Because it's only this much more money and who knows, you might catch something, right? Right. And 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 the supposition in the information piece or the Apple Insider piece was they're trying to drive up the value of that lower cost thing. And this was being held up as like, a, oh, well, this is also bad. And I don't really feel like that's bad. I feel like that's sales. I mean, really, right. it comes down to if you're a reputable salesperson or not. Because like if you're handling that and saying, you know, we got this extra thing. It only costs a little bit more. It may not net you a lot, but it also doesn't cost a lot. You might as well throw some in as opposed to are they selling it to you and lying about it. There was yeah. a um, – I know I always – I don't always go back, but I go back often to the thing that we did at AOL or the stuff that I did at AOL because that's the only like sales side of anything I was part of. And I was never mm-hmm. even part of the sales side, but even if you were customer support – oh, by the way, have you heard about this thing? Do you know about that thing? You know, it became right. part of our script that we would do. And there was the thing that you could do where you could spin off a screen name into somebody else's um, and do their own account. Mm-hmm. And it sort of ran the gamut. Like, the way we were told to talk about it was if you have a kid who's going off to college, maybe it's time to give them their own account, spin that off, do that thing. There were other people who would lie and say, if you don't do this, you're going to lose it. And they, of course, would lose their job if they got caught. Right. And then there were other people who would just do it anyway. Uh, the whole selling keywords that may not be directly applied, I mean, that seems to me to be, are you dealing with reputable salespeople and are you a knowledgeable consumer? And if mm. you're buying ads for like a big app in the app store, I, I kind of I hope you are. We can hope. The one thing that I do worry about based on this article, which honestly to me mostly sounds fine, it sounds like there are people who are worried about the uh, the whole thing getting too junked up, and I certainly hope that that doesn't happen. The one thing that I worry about is, are we, you and I, the average consumer, being viewed as sort of fish in a barrel? Like, you know, well, where are they going to go? So loaded up. That's the one thing I worry about. But if there are people outside who are saying, I'm worried about that, and there are people inside saying, I'm worried about that, you know... Hopefully it doesn't go much further than it's gone already. Right. And, you know, you, you have to think there must be a number of people raising the red flag about this within Apple. If Because given Apple's culture of secrecy, what did, what did the article say? There were seven people that came forward? Yeah, something like that. Okay, so if seven people came forward to the information, just imagine how many people are actually – criticizing it but not going public about it yeah i'm trying to remember because of course i read so many articles in a given day wasn't this the one that said that there were people talking on a slack chat or an internal communications chat yeah it was internal chat rooms which you know we know we know has to be slack because that's what they use yeah so hopefully there are enough people inside going "Ooh, are you sure that other people Uh would go hmm are we sure right but uh you know i guess we'll have to stick around and find out Coming up in just a moment, there is Russian code, where Russian code does not belong. Jeff has the story in a moment, but first, a word about another show that we would love for you to check out. It is Mac Geek Gab. 
Hosted by Dave Hamilton and John F. Braun, each week, Mac Geek Gab provides tech support to as many listeners as they can. But, but they're not done there. They're not just learning for you. No, Dave and John also learn at least five new things each week themselves. Mac Geek Gab has been providing tips, cool stuff found, and answers to your questions about all things Apple for over 17 years. If you've got Apple stuff... And if you're listening to this, I suspect you do, and you want to learn more about it, visit MacGeekGab.com or search for MacGeekGab on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Again, it is MacGeekGab.com or look for the show MacGeekGab wherever you go to look for and listen to podcasts. Do you know how many new things that has to be? Uh, well, at least more than five. 4,420. Oh, so for the number of shows they've done? Yep. Is that true? Uh, five new things a week times 52 weeks in a year times 17 years. Okay. Well, here's the thing, though. Do you think they're actually keeping track? Probably not, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm geeky that way. I'm guessing after like four or five years, they're probably like, hey, do you know about this Finder thing? And then everyone's going to be like... Didn't you do Finder back on episode three? No, 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 that was that was Findy. This is Finder. Yeah, it's a whole other thing then, isn't it? And uh, and leave off the e, you know, to save time. Jeff Butts is with us. He is the managing editor of the Mac Observer online at macobserver.com. You have written up. You did write this story, right? Because I know it's on macobserver.com. You wrote this one, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tell everybody what uh, what is going on with Russian code. And the U.S. Army. So it's a really common thing when you're building an app to use third-party code. It, mm -hmm. it just simplifies things. You know, there, there are developers that specialize in certain things. So, you know, the code that you use to send push notifications or to store and process data, you might license or purchase from someone else. And so – Various government agencies uh, here in the U.S. and abroad bought this code called Pushwoosh, mm -hmm. and Pushwoosh made itself out to be based in the United States. Um, this code was used by the CDC. It was used by the U.S. Army, and the code was actually developed in Siberia. That's Russia. Mm -hmm. And they were – you have to think they were deliberately misleading everyone <laughs> into thinking they were American-based. I love their defense because the, the dude that they talked to is like, hey, I'm Russian. I'm proud to be Russian. I've never lied about that. Except right. their LinkedIn profile actually used the address of somebody in Maryland and the picture of one of their executives used a dancer from someplace in Europe that was taken in Russia. Yep. But, you know, fake. they wouldn't hide anything. No, no. You know, <laughs> fake LinkedIn profiles selling yeah. this code. Yeah. Um, a mail drop of his buddy in Maryland. Yeah. You know, and, you know, thankfully, the the code that the, the code that was in the Army's app, you know, it was used at one of the largest combat training apps in the country. Mm -hmm. Um 
uh, combat training facilities in the country. This is a place where our soldiers go before they get deployed. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the army said this app never connected to the army's network, and they had they do not see that they've suffered any operational loss of data. But it's still very very frightening. You know, um, and it wasn't just the army. It was also, as I said, the CDC. Um, the NRA was one of them, I know. NRA, the the Labour Party over in Great Britain. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's very, very prolific. And uh, it's scary that, you know, these Russian developers are posing this way. It's not surprising. But. I'll tell you what really bothers me about all this. Please tell me that it's that the U.S. Army is using off-the-shelf code. That's a part of it. Okay. But but the bigger issue here is that the U.S. Army found this code in March. Mm-hmm. They removed the app in March. Okay. The CDC didn't find out about it until Reuters told them within the last two months oh. that it was an issue. <laughs> now explain to me why one government agency isn't going to say, "Oh, hey, you know what? If if you're using any of this code from Pushwush, you might want to pull it out." Why? That's a great question. Although I I kind of have to go back to the other one too. I mean, I understand the NRA is not a government organization. The NRA no. is a, you know, public organization, but it's not a government organization. The Labor Party I mean, would like to be a government organization, but they're a political party that's trying to, you know, gain some sway over, you know, the government mm-hmm. where they are. I I have this crazy idea that the army, I mean, and I know I'm I know I'm just I'm just a, a a bit of an idealist here. I would like to think that the army actually knows about the stuff that it's deploying before it deploys it. Well, in this case, it didn't. Yeah, I know that that kind of bothers me. Same thing with the CDC as well. I mean, wouldn't you think there would be an arm that actually, you know, wrote code. You, you Well, and they do have, I'm sure they do have their own coders. Yeah. But when when you're trying to drop in thousands of lines of code, it's only natural you're going to miss something. <laughs> they, what, but, okay. you know, what, what, that, what that says is that they need to be a little more diligent. Mm-hmm. They need to do a better job of vetting mm-hmm. where they're getting this source code from yeah and yeah maybe they need to get people that actually read it and you know do a backtrace on the ip addresses that it's going to be sending information to and things like that (laughs) that would be neat oh wouldn't it (laughs) i wish i had more to offer but yeah i'm just every time i hear about this i'm horrified it was it was doing an episode of the checklist several years ago now Mm-hmm. Where Facebook came out and said, "Yeah, a lot of the information that we're like siphoning off of people's uh, stuff and and sending back to our servers, we, we don't even know. We're not even aware that we're doing that." And immediately, I'm like, "Well, that's just that's that's wrong. That's crap. That can't possibly be true." And I was talking to my friend Augustometer, who's a developer. He's like, "Oh yeah, that could totally easily, very easily be true, mm-hmm. just because they're you know grabbing code from various repositories and using it because you know why reinvent the wheel?" Right. Well. Because somebody else might have reinvented the wheel and said, no, no, this is just a wheel. 
But you know what? By that what? same token, yeah. every every time a developer uses one of Apple's APIs, yeah. they're not digging into every bit of every line of code in that API. Okay. Uh, which one have you heard of uh, before this week? Apple or Push Wush? And that's, I mean, and that's true across the board. I mean, I, I would imagine that there are plenty of places that have, I'm not a developer. And so it's easy for me to sit here and say developers should develop rather than just grabbing things off the shelf and plugging them in. But this is not the first time the story I just told you was from at least four years ago. I mean, right. this kind of thing happens. And, you know, if that's how you want to run Facebook, great. If that's how you want to run whatever app you're running, great. If that's how you want to run the army, could no. I interest you in running an app instead? Right. Yeah. Let, let's not and say we did. <laughs> and laugh about it later. Right. Hey, if you have a question or a comment that you would like to share with us, do you want to be part of the Monday Mailbag? Well, you can't because it's called Mailbag Monday, and I will get that right at some point. Either way, <laughs> if you would like to email us, we would certainly love to hear from you. Observations at Mac Observer is the email address to use observations at Mac Observer. And you know what? Put .com at the end of that because that's going to make it a lot easier. Actually go someplace. Yeah, no question. You can also reach us on Twitter, by the way. We are at TMO Daily on Twitter. If you'd like to follow me online, I am at MacOSKen on Twitter. You can also visit my website, macOSKen.com. Jeff, if people want to keep up with what you're doing, what are the best places to go online for that? Well, you can go to my website, MacObserver.com. You can hit me up on Twitter as at Clefmeister or at MacObserver. And you can email me at JeffB at MacObserver.com. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media. Online at BackbeatMedia.com. The Daily Observations is a production of the Mac Observer. From the latest news to product reviews, your source for Apple news is macobserver.com. Observer.com.